Hi everyone, uh, great to be with you again. Hello to you if you're watching live, um, sat there in your living room or wherever you are. Hello to you if you are a, a young uh, child conscripted uh, to sit in front of the television. Hello especially to you. Um, hello to you if you're watching on Catch Up. Hello to you um, if you're watching along for the first time. Um, and particularly if you're watching along for the first time, we're making our way through uh, this book of Proverbs. Um, and as you'll just have heard there, it's, um, you know, it's, there was a lot of text there, wasn't there? A lot of different messages coming across. One of the things that we've done is we've collated um, some of the texts into little themes to help us sort of pick away and understand them. And this week we're looking, you may have already picked up on this idea of uh, wisdom and money. One of the things I think is quite interesting about the way that we interact with money is um, is the kind of affection we can have for for money. Um, and I'm meaning quite specific affection. I don't know if you've ever chatted to a, a person of a certain vintage, a certain age about a bob or a shilling, and they'll sort of relish telling you this story. Um, and from around here, it can often make their accents become even more Yorkshire, and they can even appear even more tight and tell you some story about how much they could get uh, for this down at the shop. And maybe if you're listening and you're a bit younger, you sort of tire of these stories. I've got to tell you that because of a kind of our relationship with money in the future years, um, we people or you people who use this, um, who's contactless and cards now, our stories um, will sound as cumbersome and as like nostalgic and we'll tell it in the same sort of warm kind of way. We'll say things like, do you remember the day when we used to have to get a card out of his wallets? And we used to have to flash it in front of that screen and, you know, you'll bang on uh, this. And you, you, the younger generation will sort of laugh um, in your direction and in your face. Um, but we, all, we have a nostalgia for money, don't we? Let me show you my favourite bit of coinage. It's a fiver. Um, since I've been about the age of, I just love even the sound of saying it, a fiver. Since I've been about the age of 17, no, in fact, younger than that, when I started on the milk round and I first got a wage, I got used to having a fiver in my pocket. And I've probably had since that day to now, even though my earnings, you know, it's gone up and down, fluctuated and everything else. I've probably, in those years between, 20 odd years, I've probably always had, it's still the case now, I've got a fiver for the week. That, that's I'm at liberty almost. It feels like I'm at liberty to spend on anything I want, get a newspaper, get a bag of chips, something like that. And I guess that makes me, when you think of it on a grand scale, quite a, a wealthy guy in terms of the whole world. And what I want us to do, I don't know what your favorite coinage is or what your fond memories of money is. What I want us to do is stop and think about the role that money plays in our lives, uh, what, you know, what it's become. Think, just think about what it's become. When money started out, done a bit of digging around, and there's kind of two um, basic theories as to why we have money. One is that it's a unit of measurement. So we have, yeah, we had just, we had back in the day, we'd have people trading uh, with each other. So you'd have one uh, dude down the street who'd have a load of potatoes or cucumbers or whatever, and he'd want something else uh, for his dinner, and he'd see his, his neighbor's plot. They'd have, um, you know, some radishes or some carrots or something like that. And he'd go over and they'd, they'd do a trade. Um, but later on, that same guy would, you know, needed a horse. And he went over to the guy with the horse and 
he offered him a bunch of cucumbers or cabbages, or whatever else. And the guy with the horse says, there's only so many cucumbers and cabbages I can, you know, I want. I don't really need all them cucumbers and cabbages. So they had to figure out a way to get past this. And so, yeah, I'm not sure it, it happened exactly like that, but that kind of thing, you know where I'm heading with this. So we needed a unit of measurement. That was the first thing because it was just too cumbersome to sort of trade everything. And the other thing, the other theory um, as to where money came from is that it's a credit, a promise or a credit note. Yeah, so just this idea, it's like an IOU, perfect IOU. These are the two theories. But what has it become? It's become an entity in and of itself. It shifted. I guess it started off with a very close sense of value. And it shifted off to become a thing in and of its own right. We can talk about money. We can grab hold of it. We can hoard it. We can steal it. Um, some wise people give us a warning <clears throat> about this kind of thing. So Immanuel uh, Kant and Karl Marx are two people that have written about it. But I didn't fancy their quotes as much as I fancied Aristotle's quote. He warned um, that we should treat objects in a way that are befitting to their fundamental nature. And since money is not meant to be a good in itself, only a medium of exchange, he concludes that it's unnatural to desire money as an end in and of itself. That was the language the wise sage Aristotle used. It's unnatural to desire money as an end in and of itself. What is he saying? I think he's saying something like, I think this is how the warning goes and, you know, has been repeated um, by wide sages ever since. When money, be when money becomes a thing in of itself, and it really has in the sort of capitalist, commercialist world that we live in, I think one of the things that Aristotle's saying is, in his language there, that it's unnatural. He's saying it'll dehumanize us if it becomes if it becomes something uh, separate from from just a medium of exchange, if it becomes a thing in and of itself, it's got the power to de dehumanize uh, people. Let me just give you some Oxfam uh, provided uh, pretty grave money-based stats. I'll just read through them quite slowly. Um, every day, 10,000 people die uh, through no access to affordable healthcare. Just hear that again. Every day, 10,000 people die through no access to affordable health care. One in five children have no schooling. In this modern world that we live in, one in five kids have no schooling. And this is the last one. So just let these sink in. When we think about Aristotle, Aristotle's warning, half of humanity lives on less than four quid a day. Half of humanity lives on less than four quid a day. One of the reasons, and this is one of the reasons that, um, if you can see this book, I recommend this book by a guy called Justin Welby, a former Archbishop of Canterbury, used to work in the city of London, he was a money man. So he writes with some real insight. One of the things he says is that when, when money becomes more than a unit of measurement, when it becomes a goal in and of itself, a thing in and of itself, one of the things that can happen is that we can lose our capacity to place the right value on stuff. Some of the examples he gives, he gives, um, this is just two off the top of my head, he gives examples about even though we really value seeing our kids and we know that that's really important in the, in the system of the world that we live in, which places money, which sees money through a certain lens, the reality is often we don't have any time to see our kids. 
because even though we kind of want to place that value that it becomes hard because of the way money is uh, and on a on a bigger sort of sense scene another example he gives is um the ideas of these fruit pickers in different parts of the world who live almost like uh, slaves and even though we 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 would like to think that we value um our fellow brother and our fellow you know this can happen a lot in the south of spain we'd like to think we really value these people actually the reality is we because of the way that money works uh, because of the systems that are sort of deployed in our world uh, that we still end up buying the fruit and the vegetables and it's hard to have that value for fellow humanity so what i want us to do and you've seen all the text come up i want us to sort of fire through these wisdoms and these insights and to see if i don't know if you come into the bible for the first time or you're hearing something like this for the first time but just to see if the bible offers anything uh, more um than the wisdom that the or anything different than the wisdom that's already out there one of my favorite guys in the world and um, it's not a man crush thing but it's a bit of a this guy's really awesome martin lewis the money saving expert he's incredible um but i wonder if i wonder if the bible has anything similar to what he's got to say i wonder if it challenges any of the things he's got to say i wonder if the bible can offer us more wisdom than that so let's fire through uh, these texts we'll start with um eight 18 to 19. So just have a look at these texts with me on the screen. One of the things I think that we ask ourselves a lot about is <clears throat> one of the sort of things that we wrestle with is why do some people have money? You know, if there's a God, why do some people have money? And why do why, why are the people that don't have any money at all? And how are we, how are we supposed to, how am I supposed to deal with that? How am I supposed to, you know, what do I, what do I do with that information? What do I do when I, when I see that wealth and that poverty? Um, so this helps us just think through some of those things. 18 and uh, 19 says, with me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. My fruit is better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses choice silver. One of the things that happens when we read through this book of Proverbs is it kind of dispels <clears throat> this um, idea that there is a more holy story for us with with being poor and and having living in politi- poverty and pursuing that as a way to to be holy one of the things that proverbs says over and over again is that wealth can be a blessing can be a blessing from god to you can be a blessing from you to somebody else to yourself and other people so flicking through again 17 verse 1 and this is the flip side of that better a dry crust um and i really i'm the kind of person that really amens almost hallelujahs this this verse i love this sentiment better a dry crust with peace and quiet than a house full of feasting with strife better the poor whose walk is blameless than the rich whose ways are perverse what is it saying this is the flip side to the positives of money there are pitfalls really obvious pitfalls that come with wealth if if the wealth that we gain comes with comes with real stress which it does, or to use their language, it makes us perverse, it, it corrupts us. There's a really good case for thinking you might well be better off without it. If it means in the world, uh, peace and less corruption. So just think on that. So that's the flip side. One of the things that we see in Proverbs, so there's been, um, this was in the one of the commentaries that I read, it's pretty much 50-50 on the, should I, should I have, will I be better off with loads of money or no money story 
am I going to be more blessed to have money or not to have money? Is God thinking unfavorably of me if I don't have money? It's 50-50. It's, it's almost, it's not ambivalent about it, but it's almost that. It's almost saying that's not the real story. Even though that's the story that maybe that resonates with us and we want to explore more, that's not the ultimate story. It, Proverbs says he's more concerned with this idea of making us wiser to what's behind the idea of money, what wiser to the monetary systems that we live in. And it challenges us uh, to think beyond, to think beyond them if we can. So 11.26. So here is a bunch of parables that asks us, parables, what's wrong with me? A bunch of proverbs that ask us to go a bit deeper, um, which is what uh, proverbs does. It stretches us in terms of wisdom. 11.26 says, people curse and do try and, like, try and wrestle with, with, with the meaning uh, behind these as you, as you watch. People curse those who hoard grain but they pray God's blessing on one willing to sell. People curse those who hoard grain, but pray God's blessing on one willing to sell. It speaks of a time, um, so this is ancient Near East, when famines are common, really common. And it speaks of somebody in this in a time of famine who holds back the grain that he's got so that he can drive up the price of it. So we kind of know, we know how this works in today's in today's world in a very in a very first world problemy kind of a way me and jude have just been doing up the back garden and we're out to get some um on the lookout for some garden furniture and believe it or not we've we've looked into this we've tried everywhere there's there's nothing out there so i think the story is something like um covid happened boris tells us all we've got to meet in the garden Loads of people go out and buy garden furniture. Then some guy gets a boat stuck in the Suez Canal. So all the people that make garden furniture at the other end of the world can't get it here. And so what we've heard is that by the time it does get here to us um, hungry for garden furniture, they're going to hike the prices up because, you know, they've cornered the market in a sense. And this is, in a sense, this is just the way, um, this is just the way that the world works and it's fine. But sometimes... And this is what this um, proverb points us towards sometimes. And I think we know this too, but we maybe less, it, it grabs us less because it doesn't affect us always as much. Sometimes these business decisions come at a cost and to human hardship. Sometimes they come at the cost of human life. And one of the, one of the things that we're very familiar with at the moment is the storyline of the vaccine. And we do see the way that profit-driven profit economies, profit-driven people uh, mean that some people get this. Like I got my letter the other day, you know, without any great panic and it's, you know, it's going to come. And then other people, other countries in the world, well, we've seen, you know, we've seen you switch the news on and I would, I would reckon there'll be more stories um, that, that, that develop in different parts of the world because they can't they can't access this vaccine and people will die and they'll die in some respects because of a human relationship with money profit driven um morality almost and proverbs says i think this is i think it's really insightful it's an awesome book for today um we curse that person we see that that's wrong you see that in the text we we curse those who are green we say, oh, clearly that's wrong. 
and we do love like we we bless the person we wish happiness towards the person you know imagine that there's a country that does this that that says we're going to give you know we're going to look it through a different lens and give the vaccines away we we bless somebody who though they could make a profit act with some compassion one of the things so this is the first way that it does it it makes us think proverbs make us think about money and they make us think that there's more something more important than money out there second proverb in the slide 11 18 18 11 rather says the wealth of the rich is their fortified city they imagine it a wall too high to scale the wealth of the rich is their fortified city they imagine it a wall too high to scale um so remember this is written uh, proverbs solomon times of king david <clears throat> game of thrones is not a bad place to start in terms of visualizing all this people sort you know i'm reading through samuel at the moment if you if you're struggling to to get engaged with the bible read through samuel it's brilliant there's loads of scrapping loads of fighting if you know it's just it's wild it's like the wild west and sanctuary uh, was sought in these fortified cities you know you'd get safety and security from getting to live in a place with as wall with a wall as high as you could find so there was lots of chat about fortified cities david and solomon would go around and they'd fortify the cities and the high walled living city dwellers would say i'm safe now no one is going to come in over that high wall uh, but in these um like bloodthirsty battlefield times even though they, they sort of felt really safe often sometimes the blood fueled world when the people did climb over the walls the western mind that thinks if we can accumulate enough money and this really is um we live in a world sort of really where the wisdom is to have lots of money isn't it we live in, 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 a, in a day and in an age where we think if we can accumulate enough we'll have security in, in everything and we you know that that's not just security in a big high wall but we think if we can get enough money it's going to help secure relationships secure popularity it can help secure our health and those kinds of things and one of the one of the really clever things that this proverb does the wealth of the rich is their fortified city they imagine it a wall too high to scale is it reminds us um living thousands of years after this was written down that even with great wealth it's it's something else that can bring us security we know the reality of this we see uh stories of really rich successful people who have these deathbed moments where they look back and they'll say oh this was actually the main thing this was the real thing this was the really important thing in my life next one 2017 food gained by fraud tastes sweet and i love how john put emphasis when he read it um how he just um he almost enjoyed saying the word gravel i think he really um he really he sold it very well, I thought. Food gained by fraud tastes sweet, but one ends up with a mouth full of gravel. This speaks into those moments in life. Um, it's the kind of idea, do you know when you do something for nothing and you get that sort of warmth, that sort of warm, cozy feeling inside? You do. You, if there's no reward in it for you and you do something and yet actually you feel really awesome. It's amazing. It's just this great, like, ah. Oh, 
I've helped somebody. I didn't get any money for it. That doesn't matter. Somehow the good thing that I've done feels really good. This is this speaks into kind of the opposite of that. It's the sour taste. It's the emptiness. It's that niggle that you get when you do the opposite of that. When you take something that you've not earned. I think this parable, this parable, this proverb shows that we know deep down, even though our money shapes so much of our world, we know that morality, good and bad, all that stuff, we know that that we know that that matters more. We know that that kind of thing has more value. We know it's more valuable than money. Let's just look at a few more proverbs real quick that pad this thought out. Even more. And we'll just fire through these. 11, 18, a wicked person earns deceptive wages, but the one who sows righteousness reaps a sure reward. The generous will themselves be blessed because they share their food with the poor. Wealth is worthless in the day of wrath. So what is this getting us to think about? Wealth is worthless in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. How much better to get wisdom than gold, to get insight rather than silver? It, and it does two things. It, you know, let's, let's be quick and let's clear these together. It stops us thinking about our own circumstance when we read into these you know, proverbs. And it stops us thinking only about this moment in time. It makes us think outside of ourselves physically and in, outside of ourselves in terms of time. It makes us consider, it challenges us to consider all people. It challenges us to think about morality and eternal consequences as much as the you know, financial world around us. It means that generosity is not a mugs game, that equality is achievable. It says that there is wisdom that human beings really need that exists beyond and outside of the monetary systems that we know about, that can equip us and secure us forever. That's what it suggests. There's something more than money out there. Jesus, um, as he wandered around, summed up how you could gain access to this sort of lifestyle. Um, as he as he spoke parables to people. So we looked a few months ago at the parables found in Matthew 13. So this text not up, but it's a really short parable that Jesus gives. And it allows us to think about how we can occupy this kind of life where, where we understand money and we, we can see through it. He says these words, really short parable, oft overlooked. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything and he bought it. So this is a story about a pearl merchant. This is a story about a guy who's really canny, really savvy, a really canny, savvy businessman who knows about pearls and he's looking for a good deal. That's the story. That's what merchants do. And he does something that goes against all Excuse me. He does something that goes against all business sense, all the all the common sense rules that you would throw out at a businessman. He bets everything on one thing. Bets it all on one. What Jesus is saying here, I think, is that a way of life exists. There is an inheritance that's so great. There is an interest rate. That's so good 
there is a there is a security that we need so much there is something so valuable there is a way of life that absorbs such value that once you find it you'll be willing to give up you you'll be like Zacchaeus who couldn't help but give his money away you'll be like the disciples who couldn't help but throw their fishing nets down and follow this man Jesus because once you've seen this um, it'll switch the way you think about the economy once you've seen uh, the integrity in this man once you've seen the love in this man that Jesus presents once you've once you've absorbed his ways thinking about his kingdom his rules once you've seen what that looks like once you've seen what that kingdom looks like and you've felt that wealth that wealth of forgiveness that wealth of gentleness that that wealth of grace once you've got once you've got that Jesus says it'll change forever the way you look at money there's another way to look at the parable so suggests um Justin Welby in the book that I throw, flung up at the start and it flips it around it says in that take that God is the merchant and when he sees what's most precious us in that sense our future us being with him he gives up everything so that we can have that either way either way that you flip that parable that fiver the way that you look at that fiver or the way that you think about your cash card or your two bob or whatever else it is whatever however you look at it however you whichever way you flip that parable you'll never look at that money the same way again that's what jesus did uh, that's what he does that's what he can do um and he leaves us with that beautiful thought in in a world that's so shaped and shaken by money beautifully that there's more hey hi ash hi paul how you guys doing hi, dude. you all right hi, right. hi, uh, hi paul <clears throat> uh, nice to have you around to to chat this this through with us uh, quite a personal topic actually isn't it still one of the taboos maybe of of our age money not something that we we talk about uh, easily i i wonder if a uh, I wonder if we could start by a quick fire confessional of uh, something that you've bought that you thought was a good investment of your money that turned out to be <laughs> a bit of a mistake. Have you have you got anything like that? Ash, I, I can got, name a few things that you've bought that was yeah, a bad look, investment. I was, <laughs> I was, I, yeah, I was just thinking it's more a case I need to whittle, <laughs> whittle them down, but probably the pager <laughs> would be the highlight of my... I probably there's probably a couple of cars that that weren't as great as that I'd hoped it would be, um, but yeah, the pager was ridiculous. I was one of the people that bought the 120 quid for a pager when it looked like they were the bee's knees, and then I got about two messages, three messages on this thing, and it was so convoluted the way you'd have to do it. I could never be bothered to get back to anybody because it just <laughs> took me so long. So yeah, the pager. Yeah, before mobile phones, you're showing your age. What about you, Paul? Um, I, I remember buying before before we got married. I remember buying myself an MG Midget, which sounds a, a pretty cool car. Yeah, it yeah, it does sound cool. cool. Uh, only there was probably a moment where you know that 
that time where John Cleese is beating his car with a with a branch because it's broken down yet again. I, I think I went through that experience plenty of times uh, with that car. That was that was a disaster. Although although in fairness, having said that, I finally sold it to buy Rachel's engagement ring. Oh wow! No, that's so, a good use of money right there, isn't it? That actually was pretty good investment. In fairness, <laughs> the car was rubbish. <laughs> But what but the investment, was great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that. Very good. Jesus had like such a lot to say about money, didn't he? Like mm. he he does not shy away from the topic of money. Mm. If you think about the number of times in the New Testament we hear about that, why why do you think Jesus spoke about that so often? What do you think, Paul? Um, well, I think what came across today as we were reading through those texts time and again we think money is about possession uh, and yet the bible again and again it flips it and it says money is profoundly about relationship um and maybe it's because it it exposes our heart it, it's the thing that most quickly exposes our heart um and i guess that's what the kingdom idea is about the kingdom of heaven is like something of huge value so that it exposes our heart in terms of what we truly do value mm. you know that idea of um in in some of the readings where we're talking about um holding on to holding on to grain uh, mm. in a shortage that that exposes our heart it's more about me and possession rather than what i can do with my possession for the well-being of others mm. Um, I guess that's... Jesus speaks a lot about um, anything that exposes the heart, doesn't he? he mm. His topics mm. like you know pride. He speaks up. He speaks more about that than you'd think mm. that he would. And mm. equally with money, yeah, I guess that gets that leaves us yeah, pretty exposed. So yeah, that's that is a, that's really helpful. Yeah, to, 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 we uh, we are exposed that way in terms of money. We we uh, and, think, and all of us as yeah. well. I think that's what Jesus drives at. It's the thing that probably most quickly gives us a window into what we truly do think and believe and what our true attitudes are mm -hmm. i think and yeah, yeah that's interesting because that's not uh we talked today about first world problems with money but actually that's that's been a consistent world problem <laughs> yeah hasn't yeah. it in terms of totally. throughout the ages of time totally and it's a first world and third world problem it, it's it's that what what do we think is the most important thing that the need to have when we don't have it the need to have when we do have it that's the amazing thing about money or or wealth or possession or whatever it is um it exposes our heart because no matter how much we've got whether we haven't got any whether we've got you know a hundred billion uh how much is enough um a little bit more is always what we want was that in current that, that was there was one of the millionaire billionaires who said something along that that was like howard hughes was it maybe i don't know uh, i don't know i'm not up on my billionaire <laughs> knowledge but I, I, take, <laughs> I take your word for it so i think i guess you know as you mentioned this statistic that um i can't remember the actual percentages a lot of people living on four pounds a day what, what was the can you remember yeah, I had to, that? it was it was less than four quid i had to translate from dollars stat was okay the oxfam stat was given in dollars so yeah it's just less than four quid i think yeah 
And so I guess when you think about that, no matter, most of us in the UK are actually comparatively really rich, whether we feel like we'd like a little bit more or not. And I know that Jesus is quite famous for that uh, that phrase, it's easier for the the for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for someone who's rich to enter the kingdom of God. What is he saying about that? And those who are those of us who are comparatively rich in terms of uh, the roots of the world, is God anti-money? Do it? Do we really need to sell all that we have? And uh, yeah, what? What's Jesus saying about that? What do we think about that? Yeah, I think I think Jesus says many things to really shock us. Um, so he says to the rich young man, sell everything, because he knew that that was his touch point. He knew that that, that was the real issue. And then he says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Um, I, I think he's basically saying we gain so much of a sense of security when we have um, and that sense of security overwhelms our bigger perspective of what true security is um, and, and when you think you know there's there's the old adage um, uh, what is it there's no there's no pockets in shrouds or something like that you know at the end of the day what 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 is it actually worth um, I think there's a there's a scene in Titanic where somebody one of the rich, first-class passengers is chasing around to get their money out of the safe and it's almost this ironic picture mm-hmm. you know what what does that actually really matter at this moment in time mm-hmm. but but jesus pushes that to to an eternal level and he says when you see eternity when you see the, the reality of what eternal life with an eternal god and the joy and the satisfaction and the wealth uh, and the and the joyful possession that 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 will bring. Yeah, that why precious you, peril again, isn't it? Yeah. What? Why do you hold on to the to the tin box while the ship's mm. sinking? <laughs> yeah, Ash. What What do you think about that that idea of is it is it okay to be rich in a Christian? <laughs> yeah, I think it was helpful doing the reading and finding that um, you know the the advice for wealth and poverty is pretty you know 50 50. i think about i think in this instance i think jesus is he does use hyperbole doesn't he and i think he does he like paul said he's really maybe you know maybe maybe he spoke to you know he had to speak with a real graphic picture because you know it's harder to maybe it's harder to hear when you maybe it's harder to hear um if if you're in a you know if, if you're at either end if you're at either extreme of those two things maybe I don't know. Maybe if you've got loads of money, maybe it is it is sometimes difficult. I think I think I think the wisdom is really pertinent as well. I think there's, there's I, th- I think you can see as well. You can see with your own eyes. There's great blessing to be had when when people have. If if you have if you're a person of means, then you can do so much good, and you can see that equally. Equally, you can. I'd say you, there's, there's there's and there's loads of opportunity to do good. And there's loads of opportunity to do bad, probably more than is, you know, for somebody of average means. And it's probably the same for um, somebody who has less money. There's probably loads of opportunity for them to do bad 
you know, or to do, um, you know, like the think of the widows might opportunity to do amazing, actually amazing things with, you know, with very, very little. But I think Jesus is using hyperbole. I think he's just like, I'm going to prick your ears up and you, you're going to struggle to hear this. And, but you really need to, you really need to listen on this. This is, um, yeah. And, and he does go and say, doesn't it, that all things possible with God, um, even the disciples say, so what, you know, what we're we playing at, if we, you know, what, what are we playing at by leaving everything, you know, what, what are we going to get it? Are we going to get there? We've left everything. And he says, yeah, all things are, all things are possible with God. Good. Thanks for that guys. And there's some nice insights there. Just that idea that um, God speaks to the heart uh, and ex exposes our hearts and our values, but the kingdom of heaven is a, is a precious thing and that all things are possible with God. Really uh, thankful for you all for joining us. Thanks for staying with us as we've chatted some of those things through. We understand that money is still a, a really sensitive topic um, in this day and age. And maybe if that's something that you're struggling with or you'd like to talk to us more about that, then in confidential confidentiality, then we, we'd love to meet with you and talk and pray those things through with you. So please uh, do get in touch if we if 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 you'd like to. Um, Paul, perhaps you could just pray and then uh, we'll be finished for today. Thanks. Father, we thank you that um, you present to us uh, riches and wealth, uh, which are beyond anything that this world could imagine. Mm -hmm. uh, and we thank you that you then, through your son, Jesus, demand that each one of us considers the riches and wealth that you uh, present to us compared to the riches and wealth of this world. And we're asked to compare which do we prefer, which do we trust in, which is our security. And uh, we pray that you would, by the power of your Holy Spirit, uh, work within our hearts so that our fingers might be prized a little bit more away from the treasures that we hold on to in this world and that we might see and grasp more the treasures of eternity. Mm. We thank you that you expose our hearts through your word and we pray that we might look into uh, the reality, look into the mirror of our hearts and and see that you can uh, use that for our good in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless, guys. Have a good week. Thanks, dude. Thanks, Ash. Take care. See you. See you later.